0: What's up, church? Glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, There is one question that every single one of us will have to answer. It's actually the ultimate question, the most important question that we could ever answer in our life, and that is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Okay, we all have to answer that question. In fact, someday, every single one of us in this room, it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or whether you don't think this will happen to you, or, you know, it doesn't really matter what you think, uh, but every single one of us in this room, we will all stand before the God of the universe and give an account to how we answered that question. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to see a wide array of answers to that question. And so um, today, it's going to be, we're, we got a lot to go through. All right, I don't even know if this is possible. We're going to attempt it. So uh, we got two chapters to go through today. We're going to go through chapter 7 and chapter 8 in our series. We've been going through the book of John. And, uh, and so there's a lot of verses. We're not going to cover every single verse um, because I think that's impossible to really dive into some of the things that I want to talk about. And so I want to encourage all of you guys, which we should all be doing this anyway, people. Um, I want to encourage you guys to go home and read at least. If you're not used to reading the Bible, at least go home and read chapter 7 and 8 this week. Okay? Take you like a few minutes. We can handle that, okay? All of us, we know how to read, all right? We all got Bibles. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, you can go to Information Center, and you can say, Zach told me to tell you to give me a Bible, and they will give you one, okay? So go ahead and do that after the service so you have no excuse next week. At least have those two chapters down. It's just, Jesus, what he says in these two chapters, it's a lot of his talking, all right? It's a lot of red letters in there. And it's just so rich, and it's so deep, and there's just so much to go through. And I feel like, Today, we're not going to do it justice because I can't go through everything. But anyway, that's what we're doing. Uh, Today, we're going to pick up right where we left off. I need to stop talking and get rolling. Otherwise, we will never finish this. Um, It says after, so John, he picks up in chapter 7. He says after this. What's this? This is the beatdown we took last week. Okay, the longest chapter in John, uh, John chapter 6. Remember how that is probably, by the way, it's probably my second service of last week. You guys are first service people, so you guys are lucky. But second service of last week was probably the longest message I've ever done here at Tiffin. So, sorry for those people. Um, But... uh, but longest chapter in John, that's my excuse. Um, this, is, this is what happened last week, remember? Okay, Jesus and his disciples, everything's going really good, all right? Especially in the disciples' eyes, uh, they, they, they're drawn in the crowds. Jesus, is healing people. He's making all these people well. Uh, he goes, he feeds like tw- 20,000 people with just a few pieces of bread and some fish. And then he walks across water, and then he's got more crowds. And then, like, everything's just going perfect. Everything's just going great. And then Jesus starts talking about being the bread of life. And everybody's just like, what does that mean, including the disciples? They're just like, why is Jesus doing this? Again, then he talks about how they got to feed on him. And John tells us that many of Jesus' followers end up deserting him because it's just too hard to understand. They're like, who can take this? Like, who can understand what Jesus is talking about? They're just like, you know what? I'm out. Like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I don't know what he's talking about anyway. I'm not following this guy. This dude sounds crazy. And so that's what John's talking about here, okay? We're all on the same page? All right, he says, after that, it says, Jesus, he traveled in Galilee, which was a region northern Israel. Remember, you got the region of Galilee. Underneath that, you got the region of Samaria, and underneath that, you got the region of Judea. That's where Jerusalem is. Galilee was where he grew up, and there's a town in Galilee called Nazareth. It says, Jesus, he traveled throughout his home region, Galilee, since he did not want to travel through uh, Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. Probably a pretty good reason to not go down there, right? Uh, It says the Jewish festival of shelters was near. Now, this was a big festival. This was like an eight day thing where people, thousands and tens of thousands of Jewish people from all around the world, would come to Jerusalem to uh, basically camp. Okay, that's what they would do. How many of you guys like to camp? Okay, all right, let me ask this. Okay, some of you guys, when you picture camp, you're like, I like to get my RV, and I got my, my latte, and then we go to our site, and I got my Wi-Fi, and I got my phone, and I got my air condition, and you know, everything, you got everything there, and you know, you're like, the pool and the beach are nearby, and that's like your version of camping. By the way, I don't view that as camping. Okay, is anybody with me? That is not true, real camping. Okay, camping's supposed to be somewhat miserable, okay? And cold, that's just what camping is. Um, so these people, um, they didn't have their RV and they'd go to their site and register early and make sure they had that booked and everything a year before. That's not what they did, all right? They would go to Jerusalem, and they would live up. They would, like, build and live in these little, like, shelters, in these little tents. And, uh, and they would do this for about a week. And the reason why they would do this is that it was to remind them, and it was to celebrate uh, an event that took place 1,500 years before called the Exodus. Where do we read that about? Or where do we read about that? In the Bible, second book of the Bible called Exodus, okay? It's the story about how God uses this dude named Moses to lead his people, about 2 million Jewish people, out of Egypt where they had been slaves for about 400 years. And so when he does that, um, they, God is leading them to this area, to this new land called the Promised Land, and uh, this land that he's going to give them. And uh, they do some things wrong and things don't go the way that God had necessarily wanted it to do. So they actually kind of wander around the desert and wander around the wilderness for about 40 years. And during that time, it's not like they're building buildings. buildings and building, you know, like big structures, what they're doing is they're living in temporary shelters and tents Right? During that time, as they're wandering around the, the desert and wandering around the wilderness. And so, uh, these people, they do that. They live in tents to kind of commemorate that time and what God had done for them. So, uh, they do that for about a week. And so, his brothers, and by the way, he doesn't say brothers here like, yo, know, like bros in Christ or sisters, you know, sisters in Christ. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about these are his real brothers. Brothers, all right, these are his half brothers. Same mom, different dad, all right. Their mom, you know, same mom, Mary, and uh, and different dad. Their dad was Joseph. Jesus, he didn't have a dad, all right. Now, some of you guys you used to be Catholic, okay, and you were taught that uh, Mary was a virgin for her entire life. There's only one issue with that, and that is this book right here. Uh, the Bible <laughs> says that's not true. Uh, so some of you guys, just to put it bluntly, some of you guys is gonna make you cringe, but like, Mary, after Jesus was born. Mary and her husband, Joseph, had sex, okay? That's what happened. That's how you get kids, okay? That's how you have brothers. That's where these brothers came from, by the way, all right? So again, I know some of you guys, that doesn't sound right, and you're like, what? By the way, two of Jesus' brothers, James and Jude, they actually wrote books in the Bible. So I don't know how, you know, some people think that didn't happen that way or whatever. But um, but that's what was going on. By the way, if you were, uh, if you come from a blended family, So did Jesus, okay? So he understood that all too well. So his brothers, all right, these are his half-brothers, they said to him, they say, hey, Jesus, all right, why don't you go do this? Why don't you leave here, Galilee, our home, and go to Judea, where they know that these, these religious leaders are trying to kill Jesus, so that your disciples can see your works and that you are doing, all right, your little tricks. For no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. Like, you are, Jesus. Everybody, you just want to be seen, all right, every, you want people to, to follow. You want crowds to gather around you. So if you do these things, why don't you just show yourself to the world? And then John tells us that for not even his brothers believed in him. All right, think about this. Jesus' own family resisted him. Isn't that weird to think about? Like, we don't, you know, usually, I mean, James, he wrote a book of the Bible. He resisted Jesus. In fact, one time, did you know that Mary, his mom, and Jesus' brothers, they come while Jesus is teaching and kind of interrupt him. You know what they were trying to do? Collect him. Because they're like, oh, he's crazy. Like they thought he was crazy. They're like, he is out of his mind. We gotta get him out of here. No, no one listen to this guy. He's just tired. You know, so they tried to they try to remove him. And so his brothers here, they are being sarcastic. In fact, they're mocking Jesus and they're saying, Hey, you got this big festival going on in Jerusalem. All right, everybody's going. You're gonna have crowds upon crowds upon crowds. Why don't you just go to Jerusalem with your little magic tricks and your little performances? And they can all see it. And and if you're like truly the savior, then you could just show yourself to the world world down there. Like what better time to do that, Jesus, than right now during this, during this festival. And so Jesus, he replies back to you, says, hey, my time has not yet arrived, but your time is always at hand. And they're like, what does that mean? And he says, the world cannot hate you. And what he's doing here is he's implying, he's like, you know why the world can't hate you? Because you're worldly. Because you are of the world. He says, but me, it hates me. Because I testify about it, that its works are evil. Basically, I tell people when they're doing wrong and what's sin and what's not sin. It's offensive. He says, go up to the festival yourselves. I'm not going with you guys up to this festival because my time has not fully come. So he's saying, I'm not going to go up the way that you want me to go up. I'm not going to go down there. I'm not going to go to Jerusalem and perform my Tricks, you know, so that I'm just trying to get cross. This is actually not what I'm trying to do. And he says, after the, he had said this, these things, he stayed in Galilee just like he said he was going to. But then, after his brothers had gone up to the festival, then he also went up, not openly like his brothers wanted him to, but secretly. And so the Jews, they're there in Jerusalem, they're looking for him as at the festival and saying, Where is he? Where's this Jesus guy? Is he going to be here? Is he going to show up to this thing? And there was a lot of murmuring about him among the crowds because some were saying, he's like, hey, he's a good dude. All right, he's a good man. That's how some people responded to that question. What are you going to do with Jesus? Okay, well, I think he's just a pretty good guy. Others were saying, no, he's not a good guy. On the contrary, he's just deceiving the people. He's just a liar. He's not somebody that we could trust. And still, nobody was talking about him publicly, um, talking publicly about him for fear of the Jews. All right, so here's. Jesus, You got a, a group of people, what John tells us, who literally encountered Jesus. They have a positive reaction with Jesus. Maybe they even believe in Jesus, but because they have fear, they don't support him. They don't talk about him. By the way, does that sound familiar yeah. to any of us? Right? Isn't that what we do? Isn't that the exact same thing that we Christians do? Like, we don't, we're, we're like, you know, we just don't want to talk about Jesus because it's, because it's weird, or, you know, we're just like, you know, um, we have fear, that's what it is. It's, it's fear, just like these people. By the way, there's a difference, a little bit difference between these people and us here today. These people, they could lose everything if they talk openly about Jesus. Today, what do we lose? What do we risk? Uh, someone might look at us weird and is kind of awkward, makes us feel uncomfortable, you know? That's what we think. Like, that's what, that's, that's what we're worried about. And so John's pointing this out. He's like, yeah, many people, they just kept their mouths shut because of fear. By the way, that's what Satan uses to keep our mouths shut as well. And so John goes on. He says, and when the festival was already half over, so Jesus gets there late. He doesn't go with his brothers. Uh, He tells them no. He doesn't go the way that that they are suggesting he goes, half-heartedly. And so um, when the festival was already half over, Jesus went up into the temple, and then he began to teach. He says, the Jews were amazed. And they're like, who is this guy? Like, how is this man still learned since he hasn't been trained? Like, like where Jesus, where this guy? And then I don't think at this point, I don't even think they understand this is Jesus. They're like, who's this random guy? Like, what school did he go to? What seminary did he graduate from? And Jesus is like, heaven, you know, like that's where I'm from. And it says Jesus answered them, and he's like, my teaching isn't mine, but it is from the one who sent me. And he's talking about God. He's like, if anyone wants to do His will, God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God, or whether I'm speaking on my own. He says, the one who speaks on his own seeks his own glory, all right? Just like you guys, just like the crowd around him. He's like, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him, meaning God, is true, and there's no unrighteousness in him. He's talking about himself here. He says, didn't Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. And what Jesus does right here is he's pointing out their issue, right? He's pointing out the problem. He's saying, hey, you guys, unlike me, are sinners, right? They're sinners, just like all of us here sitting here today, including myself, right? And what Jesus does is he uses the law of Moses, which the law of Moses was, the, uh, it's in the Old Testament, 613 rules of all these um, things that, to keep the Jewish people separate and to keep them really right. With God and talked about a bunch of things, Um, and uh, the Jewish people—we've talked about this before. uh, These people had had spent their lives trying to follow all of these rules. In fact, the Jewish people had rules upon rules to keep them from breaking some of these 613 rules, and so um, they had spent their whole lives. And Jesus, he's pointing this out in their in their heart. He's saying, "Hey, here's the deal." All right, you guys have tried your hardest. You guys have done the religion thing. You're, you guys are all religious. You have all these rules that you, you've you spent your life trying your hardest to do, yet you've still broken the law. You still are sinners. He's pointing out the issue in them. He says, why are you trying to kill me? And again, at this point, I don't think these people understand um, remember who Jesus is. Remember, Jesus, he's there in secret. He's probably hooded. He's probably disguised himself a little bit. There's a good chance the crowd doesn't know that this Jesus is actually Jesus. And the, and remember, the religious leaders are trying to kill Jesus. And so that's the reason why Jesus does this. And, and the crowd doesn't know that he is actually that guy. So they're confused when he says it. It's like, what are you talking about? You're just some random guy. Why are you saying that that we're trying to kill you? We're not. No one's trying to kill you. They said, you have a demon, okay, because you're crazy. He says, uh, who is trying to kill you? And again, Maybe at this point, the, the, kind of the dots are starting to connect. And this is where Jesus begins to reveal who he is. He says, I perform one work. He says, I did that one miracle. And you know what he's talking about? We've already talked about this a few weeks ago. Actually, Pastor AJ talked about it a few weeks ago when, when AJ, when, not AJ, AJ wasn't there. When Jesus um, was in Jerusalem, all right, months before this, he's doing his thing, and remember he's walking past this pool, there's a bunch of like, um, there's a bunch of crippled people and blind people all around, and he walks past one guy who couldn't walk, and remember he asked him, he says, hey, you want to get better? You want to walk? Remember what that guy says? He's got, like, all these excuses, like, like kind of whining. He's like, well, I can't walk because I can't, get, I can't win the race, and I can't get there fast enough. And he's talking about getting into some pool. They had this, like, legend thing that it would heal them. And, and, and Jesus is like, okay, it, like, he kind of interrupts him. He's like, okay, just stand up and walk. He says, pick up your mat and walk. Now, Jesus does this on the Sabbath, which was the Saturday. And uh, remember, the religious leaders, they had all these rules about how you couldn't, Break God's rules, and so one of God's rules was, hey, you can't you can't work on on the Sabbath, right? You need to take a day of rest, which is something we should remember. And so the religious leaders they went through and they're like, okay, well, what could be considered work? Is that work? Is this work? Is this work? And so you weren't allowed to like pick up stuff. You weren't allowed to carry anything. And so here's this guy, he's walking around with his mat, and the religious leaders stop and they're like, whoa, whoa, buddy, who are you? Who do you think you are? All right, you can't carry that mat. You're breaking the Sabbath. You're breaking one of our rules. And uh, the guy's like, I don't know, that dude named Jesus, he just like healed me. And they're like, What? You can't heal on the Sabbath? That's work. You know, you can't do that either. So they go and they confront Jesus, and Jesus is basically like, you know, I've healed this guy, and, uh, you know, this guy had lay there for over, like, 30 years, and, and now, you know, it, I, I walk past by, and now I, I like, change his life forever, and, uh, and you're upset about this? They're like, yeah, but but you did it on a Saturday. You can't do it. And he's like, but look, he's walking down. And they're like, but it's Saturday, you know? These people are crazy. And so Jesus, he's pointing back to that. He says, remember that thing that I did? A few months ago, he's like, I performed one work. I did one miracle. I healed that one dude here in Jerusalem, and you were all amazed. All right, he's talking to the crowd. He's like, all of you guys were all about it. All of you guys were talking about it. All right, all of you guys, you know, you, you're, but, but you're still hung up on that. And then some people, again, here, they begin to connect the dots. Some of the people of Jerusalem, they were saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this that guy? All right, isn't this the man that they're trying to kill? Is this Jesus talking here? Yeah, look, he's speaking publicly and they're saying nothing to him. Can it be true that maybe the religious leaders know that he is the Messiah? Like, why haven't they arrested this guy? Could this be that guy? Could he be the Messiah? Could he be the Savior that we've been waiting for for generation after generation after generation? See, what Jesus is doing, and this is what Jesus is doing to us today, Jesus is bringing these people to a point to where they have to decide on Jesus. same point that He's bringing you today, to today. That's what Jesus does, by the way, is He brings us to a point where we have to decide on what we're going to do with Jesus. And that's what he's doing to, these, to, to, these, to this crowd. Now, not deciding on Jesus, by the way, is in fact, deciding on Jesus, like you are making your decision. And so they tried to seize him. That's kind of funny. Um, to me, they, they tried to arrest him, yet no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not come. Yet still, Jesus, he's, it's like even he's in control of his arrest. They think they are, but even he is because they couldn't do it. However, many from the crowd believed in him. And they said, when the Messiah comes, like think about this. They're, they're rationaling this out, which is good. It's what we should be. Should we use it our brains? This is when the Messiah comes, he's not going to perform more signs than this man has done, will he? Like, look at what he's doing. Like, I heard he walked on water, and he fed, like, 20,000 people. He's been healing people. Remember that that guy who couldn't walk? Remember that guy? Like, he's now he's talking about him. The, the, like, he's done all this stuff. Like, the Messiah, when he comes someday, like, if Jesus ain't it, like, like is there going to be a guy who's going to do more than Jesus? That doesn't sound right. And so... The Pharisees, these are the religious leaders, they heard the crowd murmuring these things and talking about these things and about him. And so the chief priests and the Pharisees, they sent servants to arrest him. Basically, they call the cops on Jesus to get him to stop talking. And uh, in a few verses later, it says, now, on the last and most important day, okay, so this is of the festival. This was a a big day. In fact, um, during this day, remember this whole festival, that's going on here. It's about uh, remembering how God provided in the desert. And one of the main things that God provided in a desert, which we would automatically assume, is water, okay? And the way God did that is he did that several different ways. Like, There's like springs and stuff he led them to. But one time he had Moses like hit a rock with, with his staff and just water started gushing out. And so uh, God provided for the Jewish people, especially with water. And on the last day of the festival, so this day, what the priests would do is they would like fill this like golden jar thing with water and then they would parade it through, this kind of sounds kind of funny, they parade it through the courtyard of, of the temple and then they'd parade it through the temple and there'd be people singing and people shouting and uh, there'd be trumpets and just all this stuff going on and they'd parade it into the temple and they'd pour it out as an offering on the altar before God. And so that's what these people would do. It's almost like... It was almost like a thank you to God for what He did for their ancestors with providing them water. And so, um, at this point of this day, everybody's got water on their mind. Okay, everybody's just like, okay, yeah, water. This is the water day. You know, that's what everybody knows that. If you could picture that in your in, in your mind, and so Jesus, He stands up in the kind of the middle of the crowd, and He cries out, and He says, "Hey, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to Me and drink." It says, the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from the deep within him. Now, this is kind of confusing. And, you know, as disciples, we don't know if they're there or not, but if they are there, they're just like, okay, here we go again. He's talking. It says, he said this about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So John, he gives us a little commentary. He's like, Jesus, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's going to come down upon us. If you, by the way, have given your life over to Jesus, which isn't everybody in this room, but if you have, the Bible says God lives in you. At least his Spirit does. Like he's a part of you. That like God's a part of your life. Now, that hasn't happened yet because Jesus was still here, and Jesus hadn't risen from the dead yet is what John's saying. But Jesus, he, he's, he's talking about how that's going to happen in the future, how that happens to us here today. And it says, when some from the crowd heard these words, they said, this truly is the prophet. Here we go. People of the crowd, they're answering that question. What am I going to do with Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, some are like, he's, a God, like, he's from God. He has to be from God. He's a, he's a good guy. He's a prophet even. But others said, nah, this is the Messiah. This is the Savior. This has got to be him. But some said, No, surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee, does he? That's the, it's the northern region. And then they start talking about it. They're like, Doesn't the scripture say that the Messiah comes from David's offspring and from the town of Bethlehem where David lived? Now, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem, Bethlehem. okay? We know that from Christmas. And so they, Jesus wasn't, he didn't. Get, he wasn't raised in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Galilee. So the crowd was divided because of him. They didn't know where he was born. S- some of them, they wanted to seize him, right? but no one laid hands on him. It says, then the servants came to the chief priests. Remember, these are the cops, the chief priests that the religious leaders called to arrest Jesus. They come to the, the priests and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who asked them, and they're like, hey, why didn't you bring him? Where's Jesus? You had one job, man, one job, and your job was to go arrest that guy, and he's not with you. What's going on? And the servants, they asked them, they answer, they're answered. they like, man, I don't, I don't think we should be arrested. I'm not, we're not touching him, okay? No man has ever spoken like this guy before. And then the religious leaders, as you can tell, as you can imagine, are really ticked off. Like, this bothers them. Not only are they disobeyed, but it's like these guys that kind of believe in Jesus too. And so they respond to them, and they're like, are you fooled too? Basically, are you an idiot, right? Have any of the rulers, have any of us believed in him? But this crowd, which doesn't know the law, they don't know their Bibles. There it occurs. He's like, you're going to follow the crowd? They don't know what's going on, right? See, the religious leaders, they look down on everyone else. By the way, that's what religion does. That's what religion does to us. It gives you a sense of security. Like, okay, well, you know, that's what the definition of religion is you gotta do, follow all these rules of do's and don'ts to somehow appease you know yourself before God. Or God looks down on us, he's like, Oh, you're so good. Okay, that's that's what religion is. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. That's not what Jesus teaches. All right, religion, it gives us a sense of security, it's a false sense of security that we think, hey, we're pretty good because I follow the rules. I'm a good person. I'm a good employee. I work hard, All right. So I'm, a, I'm better than most of these people. So I'm, uh, it gives us a sense of security of I'm better than you. I follow the rules better than you. So I'm better. And, and so that's what these people have. That's what religion does to all of us, right? That's what religion does to the world. And then one specific religious leader, he stands up and he speaks. And you might remember him, Nicodemus. The one who came to him previously and who was one of them, remember that guy? He comes to Jesus at night. He doesn't want anybody to see. He's, like, scared. Like, don't tell anybody that I'm with you, Jesus. But I got some questions. Who the heck are you? You know, that guy, he says, man, our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? Basically, he says, hey, shouldn't we bring Jesus in? Isn't the right thing for us to do as as leaders to bring Jesus in and let him explain to us exactly who he is? We should do that. And they're like, you are from Galilee too, are you? See, they look down on people from there. It says, investigate and you will see that no prophet arises from Galilee. They're like, check your Bibles, Nicodemus. No prophet. The Messiah, he ain't coming from Galilee, that's for sure. See, these guys are so hung up on the technicalities of where Jesus is from. Although they don't have all the information, clearly. And what they're doing is they're choosing to completely ignore all the signs that he has given them. All the stuff he's doing. They've witnessed him healing people. They completely ignore that. Which, by the way, is what many of us do in our lives. See, God, if you realize this, God is constantly revealing himself to you. Do you get that? He's constantly showing you. trying to show you who he is. And you know what we do? We ignore it. We hide behind the busyness of life. We push it back. We choose not to see. That's what these guys are doing. All right, and then right in the middle of Jesus' interaction with these religious leaders, it kind of fizzles, and they're like, okay, whatever. They all go home, and then we have a quick story. If you have your Bibles, you will notice that it says the earliest manuscripts do not include um, chapters 753 through 811. You guys, anybody? No one's got their Bibles with them. Okay. Now right. well, that's what it says. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. We got one. <laughs> but uh, you guys should be checking me. Fact check me, okay? I might be lying up here. Who knows? I might have just typed this up Friday afternoon in a hurry. Anyway, that's what your Bibles will say. And uh, and what really, this next story, is basically what's going on here is uh, the translators are just telling us that, hey, Uh, this, they're just being open with us. They're being transparent, saying, we're not sure about this next story, okay? And by the way, this should show you how committed our Bible translators are to accurately translating the Bible, because from archaeology, what we've seen is that the earliest manuscripts that we have of the book of John is uh, this story, it it just doesn't exist in there. What we find out is a couple hundred years later, from other old, super old manuscripts, we start seeing this story in there. And so uh, people don't really know exactly where the story came from. Maybe John wrote it. Maybe he didn't write it. It. We don't know. It's not like, you know, archaeology and science is constantly always changing, and so it's not like we know all the information anyway. But, um, but they're just being open about, hey, we're not sure if this was original or if this was added in later. Um, by the way, that's something that we're never going to see watching, like, the news. You know what I'm talking about? okay? It's not like we ever hear on the news, hey, we have an eyewitness. We're only 80% sure he could be trusted, so just want to keep that in mind. Like, you've never heard that before. Um, No, they just tell us what they want us to know and what they want us to believe, and that's all they tell us. So anyway, it's a different message. (laughs) Even though this story is not in the earliest fragments of John, all right, that we have, there's a good chance this story actually happened, and it goes like this. Uh, The next day, they're in Jerusalem. They're there. It's after the festival, after everything's done. Uh, Jesus, he's doing his thing. And the religious leaders, who, by the way, hate him, right, they come and they bring him a woman who's caught cheating on her husband, which we can all agree is really, really, really bad, okay? That's sin, and it's a horrible, terrible thing. And so they bring her to Jesus, and they tell him what they caught her doing, and uh, they say, hey, Jesus, you know the, the, the Bible, you know the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law says that she should be stoned. And that's like a capital offense. You can't just be cheating on your, on, your, on your spouse. By the way, if you notice, they didn't bring the man which just shows how messed up they were. They only bring the woman. And so they go to Jesus and say, "Hey Jesus, what should we do?" And this is a total trap. They're trying to trap him. There's really they don't care about the woman. She's just a pawn in their in their scheme. And they have this all set up that no matter how Jesus answers, he loses. Okay? If he says, "Yeah," Um, go ahead, obey the law, and stone her. Then he commands them to do something that's just completely illegal. It was illegal for Jews in Roman law, which Rome owned them at this point in history. Um, They did not allow the Jews to just sentence people to death. They weren't allowed to do that. And so then he's breaking the law. Uh, If Jesus says, no, you need to have mercy on her, then he's not following the law of Moses. And they can point that out and say, well, then you can't be from God. So they pose this question to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus... Squats down, and he starts, writing, he starts writing words in the dirt with his finger. And the religious leaders, they're just like, Jesus, what happened? What, make your judgment. What are you going to do? Answer us. And Jesus keeps writing. And he finally stands up, and he says uh, something to the fact of, okay, sure, she should be stoned. But let whoever has no sin throw the first rock. He got him, You know, and they're all standing around. They're just like, yeah, I got the rocks in hand. They're like, dang it. You know. <laughs> and one by one, they start to leave the area. Starting with the old men, they kind of realize first, and then the younger ones go. And then Jesus goes back to squatting in the ground and starts riding again. And after a while, it's just Jesus and this lady. And so he's there, and he stands up, and he says, no one's accusing you anymore? And she's like, No. And he says, stop sinning. And she goes. That's the end of the story. And so we have that story in there. Now after that, Jesus, he goes to the religious leaders who have, getting, have just tried to trap him. And he gives them another shot. He starts speaking to them again. He says, to the, he says hey, here's the deal, guys. I'm going away. And you're going to look for me. And you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. And they're confused. They're like, what is he talking about? He says, they said, hey, he won't try to kill himself. Willie, he? is he suicidal? Is he saying, hey, I'm going to kill myself. You're not going to, you know, what, what's going on? And where I'm going, you cannot come. Is that what he, that what he means by that? They say, hey, it, it, here he's like, it's almost like he's trying to like, okay, you guys don't understand. We see this a lot in Jesus' ministry. Where, especially with his disciples where he's like, oh, okay, all right, let me put this in as plain terms as I can. All right, works for us here today even as well. He says, here, let me put this. You are from below. I am from above. Does that make sense? All right. he's like, he's like let, me, let me try this a different way. You're from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, okay? It's dirty, it's dark, it's nasty. I'm not of this world, okay? Me and you, we are different. I come from a different world place, all right? That's what's going on here. And, and, and what we see this is these, these people, they should have understood already from Jesus' miracles, but here they still miss it. And so they ask Jesus, they're like, who are you? Why don't you just tell us, all right? And, and Jesus, he answers, he's like, exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, He's like I've told you this. I've answered you over and over and over again. I've claimed to be God. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior that the Old Testament has promised your ancestors thousands of years ago. After generation after generation after generation, you guys have been waiting for me. And then John tells us that as he was saying these things, many people in the crowd believed in him. And then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, He says, Hey, if you continue in my in, in my word, you really are my disciples. Meaning your actions are going to show whether you actually believe or not. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, at this point, they're like, free? What are you talking about? What do you mean free? All right? By the way, that's what truth does. And so they say, we're descendants of Abraham. That's like their ancestral hero. And we have never been a slave to anyone. How can you say you will become free? We're not, we're not slaves right now. And Jesus responded, he's like, he's not talking about physical here. He's talking about spiritual, which is, he's always talking on a higher level. This is why he's always missing with people, and they're all like, I don't, what's going on here? He says, truly, I tell you that everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. He's talking on another level. He's like, I'm not talking about being a slave to someone, right? That's not what I mean. I'm talking about something so much more serious. I'm talking about your sin. You and us here today, he's saying, we are slaves to sin. It's a heart issue, it's an inside problem that we can't fix ourselves. And the crowd, of course, they're still not getting it. And so Jesus says, He said, like, I speak from what I've seen in the presence of my Father. So then you do what you have heard from your Father. And they're all like, what are you talking about? What do you mean, our father? Basically, I do what my father tells me to do. You do what your father tells you to do. That's the difference between us. And so they reply. They're like, our father <laughs> is Abraham. Right? They reply. And if you, he says, if, but if you were Abraham's children, he says, you would, have done, you would do what Abraham did. You would actually follow him, but you're not following him because you're rejecting me. But now you're trying to kill me. A man who has told you the truth. I heard from God. Abraham, he didn't do this. He says, you're doing what your father does. And then one of the religious leaders, I'm guessing, kind of shouts out because he knows Jesus' past and he knows where Jesus is from. He's like, uh-uh, we weren't born out of sexual immorality. You know what they're doing? Here, they're taking a hit on the way Jesus was born. This guy or this person knows that, uh, that you know Mary had Jesus before their wedding. That Mary had Jesus out of wedlock. See, now they're talking about his mama. He's saying, hey, Jesus, you were born in sin. All right, started all the way from the beginning. And it says, we have one father, and that's God. Then he says, he says, Jesus said to him, he says, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God. And I'm here, for I didn't come on my own, but God sent me. He says, why don't you understand what I say? You know why? It's because you cannot listen to my word. He's saying, you choose not to listen. That's, by the way, what we do. Like naturally within us, we want to rebel against God. In fact, some of us sitting here today, it's like Jesus is talking specifically to you this morning. You know what? You've already made up your mind. You have already like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not dealing, dealing with Jesus right now. I'm, I got too much going on in my life. I don't, want, I don't want to deal with Jesus. Maybe you can even feel it. And so Jesus, that's what he does. He kind of opens you up. He makes you realize exactly where you're at inside, and it's never a good place. And he tells it to these people straight, and it's offensive. He says, you are of your Father the devil. It's almost like Jesus is like, hey, you talking about my mama? You know, you want to know who your mama was sleeping with? The devil, okay? And so you are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires? He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth. You know why? Because there is no truth in him, and when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of all lies, Meaning you don't listen to me because you are too busy listening to your father Satan. You don't think you're listening to him, but he's a liar and he's tricky and he has you all fooled. And so they say, they're like, you are greater than our father Abraham who died. Are you kidding me? And, and who are you to tell us that? And the prophets died. Who do you claim to be? Again, here we go. They ask him again, like how many times are they going to ask? And he's answered them every single time. He's saying, I am God. I'm the one. I'm the Messiah it's me. And so he says, your father Abraham, let me tell you something about Abraham. He rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it, and he was glad. He says, the Jews are glad. They're like, you're not like 50 years old yet. You're like 30, okay? And, and, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, he says, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, whenever Jesus uses the phrase I am, which he did frequently Picture it like this. It's like a religious grenade going off in these people's minds. All right? They hate it. It takes them back to when God had called Moses 1,500 years ago again where God calls Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. There's like this burning bush thing and Moses sees it and he goes up to check it out because what dude's not going to go check that out because the bush, bush is burning but it's not burning and it's kind of crazy. And so he goes up there and the bush starts talking to Moses and it's actually God, you know, in there and, and Moses is talking and God's like hey, I want you to go do this. And Moses he's like, all these excuses why he's not the guy God's looking for. And he's like, man, God, you don't understand I can't talk to people. Like I'm not the guy for this job. This ain't for me. And at one point, he's just Abraham's basically, or not Abraham, Moses basically like, hey, what do I even tell him your name is? And God says, I am. You tell him, I am, sent you. And so all these religious leaders, not just the religious leaders, all the crowd, the crowd who's all around Jesus, all these Jewish people, they all, everyone knows exactly what Jesus just said. He is God. He's saying, I am, all right, I'm the one. He's claiming to be God. They all know it. And their response, is they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and he went out of the temple. That was their response. The question is for you, what's yours? Here's the deal let me tell it to you plain. A man walked the earth 2,000 years ago who was like no other. Nothing the world had ever seen um, up until that point. And there's nothing, the world, nothing like the world had ever seen again. And he did many things. And he did a bunch of impossible stuff. And he helped so many people. And he said so many things that people didn't understand. But the one thing that everybody understood that he did was he claimed to be God. Here's this guy 2,000 years ago who walked the earth who claimed to be God. And we're still talking about him today. And the question is... What are you going to do with that guy? What are you going to do with him? What are you going to do with that? You see, there's so many options we've seen here today. Right? Are we going to flat out reject him? We see that with relig- religious leaders. We see that within Jesus' own family. All right, we're going to, uh, is he a good guy? Like, he said some good things. He's a good guy. Maybe even a prophet. Like, maybe even God did send him. But, you know, some of the crowd thinks that. The cops, you know, seem to think that. But, That, you know, isn't calling him God. That's not recognizing that, no, no, he is God. Or is he the Messiah? Is he the Savior? Is he God? Which is what the disciples believed and what a lot of the crowd thought. They're like, who is he? What are you gonna do with him? How does that affect your life? the reality is he came down 2,000 years ago to die for you because you are a sinner just like I'm a sinner. You are messed up just like I'm messed up. You can't save yourself just like I can't save myself And he died for you because he was the only one that could do it. And he did it because of his love. And he's the perfect judge. He has to punish sin. And he punished himself instead of you. So the question that every single one of us have to ask ourselves is, what am I going to do with that? Am I going to accept him? Am I going to reject him? Am I going to put it off on hold? I'll deal with it some other day. Or is today the day? I would encourage you, if you've never taken a moment to officially ask Jesus to be a part of your life, to surrender your life over to Him, do that today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, by the way. God doesn't owe you tomorrow. There's no better day to do that than today. It's super easy. You don't even have to say it out loud. God knows your every thought. But it's just expressing to Him, saying, hey, I'm done doing life on my own. I'm doing life your way. I'm giving my life to you. And I thank you for what you did for me. I did not owe it, and I did not earn it in any way. So, So that's it. Something every single one of us will have to make. It's a decision. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this church. We could come here, learn more about the stuff that you said, and God, we ask that uh, if there's anybody in this room that they have not given their life over to you, that they would do that today. It's not between them and anybody else. It's just between them and you. God, we ask that they would. It's the most important decision anybody could ever make in their entire life. God, we thank you for dying for us, coming down, born in the dirt for us. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.